888-835-2414. This is Learning with Leslie. Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of Learning with Leslie, the podcast where you learn, I learn, we all learn about how to build an online business with a blog. No, I'm not talking about one of those blogs that will fall by the wayside when Google has a mood swing. I'm talking about one that will thrive no matter what gets thrown at it. I'm your host, Leslie Samuel from becomeablogger.com, where we're changing the world one blog at a time. And as usual, I got another exciting episode for you today. In today's episode, episode 294, I'm going to be talking about how to optimize your blog for search engines in 2017. Yes, WordPress SEO is what we're going to be digging into. And in a world where everyone is and their mamas are talking about social media, where does SEO stand? Is it still important? Has its relevance changed any? Well, in today's episode, I'm going to be sharing why I think SEO is more important today than it has ever been. Yes, it's still highly relevant, but I'm also going to be sharing how you can make sure that you are doing what you need to do when it comes to SEO. I'm going to cover some of the basics, but then going into some topics that I've never spoken about before, things that are happening right now. WordPress SEO, that's what we're going to be talking about today. How are you doing? You know, I feel like it's been a while since we've had a, a conversation, and I think it's it, it's time for us to have a conversation because it's been a little while, and you know, last week I didn't publish a podcast episode. Uh, everybody in my house was sick. <laughs> well, except me, of course. I, I don't ever get sick. But my wife was sick. My son was sick. My daughter was sick. And I just, I, I, I couldn't get a podcast episode done. It just wasn't happening. So it, it feels like it's been a while. But I'm back. I'm back. I'm not going to – you thought I was just going to leave you alone? I mean, come on. I would never do that. i got to bring some value. And uh, this topic is one that I'm actually very excited to talk about because I think it's something that – you know, people have been talking about it for a while. But I think it's something that we need to pay even more attention to in 2017 and beyond because there's a lot that's happening right now when it comes to driving traffic to your blog and we're going to get into a lot of that. Now, I want to tell you a story before we actually get into the main content. A few years back, I started a biology blog. This biology blog is called Interactive Biology and within a relatively short period of time, it started to do well. Uh, the first month, I had about 400 people visit the blog, and then it went to 800, and then it went to 1,200, and it kept going and going and going until recent months, as many as 100,000 people have visited the blog in a single month. This blog was one that was made initially by me creating videos. I would put up short videos, upload them to YouTube, embed them on my blog, and the blog started to get some traction. Now, at some point, I decided, you know what? I wanted to do something a little different. I wanted to bring on some guest writers because, you know, I started my job as a university professor back then, and I didn't have as much time to create content. So I decided, you know what? I still want my audience to get high-quality content, so I put a process in place, and I got some writers that started to create content. 
and I was paying these writers to pay to, to create this content. Now, after a few months, I decided to evaluate how effective this was. And I went into Google Analytics and I started to look at my traffic and I started to realize something. I wasn't getting a significant amount of traffic to those articles that my writers were writing. People were coming for the videos. So eventually I decided, you know what? I'm spending money on getting these writers to create content. I'm just going to stop. It's not worth it. I'm paying money and it's not driving a bunch more traffic. So I decided let's just let's just let, let the site sit and see what happens. Now a few years later, uh, fast forward to today, <laughs> I actually just went because I've looked at this a number of times since then and what has happened over time actually is kind of interesting. Because those same articles that were not getting hardly any traffic are the ones that are getting most of the traffic today. My biology blog, if I look at my biology blog right now and I look at the top 20 pages, this is, this is actually, when I looked at it the first time, I was kind of like, oh man, that's, that's kind of messed up. But when I look at the top 20 pages on my site, 19, no, no. 18 out of the 20 are articles that were written by these guest writers. So I'm looking at this and I'm like, man, that's interesting. There's one, of course, which is the homepage that wasn't written by anyone. That's just the homepage with a list of articles and videos and all that good stuff. So that's number 19. And, no, and uh, that, that's 19 out of the 20. And there was one video that I created, one blog post that I created that is ranked as one of the top 20. Can you believe that? Then I went to the top 30 and <laughs> I have like two in total that I created, but a lot of the content that was created by the guest writers are getting a ton of traffic. Now, I want you to think about that. And we're gonna talk about why as we go into SEO, and I'm going to come back to this, but I wanted to just let you know that it's interesting how that happened. When I look at the content, though, when I look at my videos and when I look at their posts, I see how I made it. I I I I made an effort with my my virtual assistant and and the writers to make sure that those posts were optimized when it comes to the search engine. So I took care of a number of the things we're going to talk about today when it comes to SEO. But with my blog post, since it was just videos, I just basically had a transcript. And the transcript wasn't optimized. And we're going to talk about some of those things today. But it's just interesting to kind of look at that now and see how, how it has changed over time. Now, we're going to go into some basic things when it comes to SEO. I want to I make sure everybody has a, a good foundation because it is 2017. You, you have to understand the fundamentals before you can go into the, the, the nuances that are relevant in 2017 and beyond. So we are going to get into some of the more advanced stuff that I want you to be at least aware of. And by being aware of, you can do the kind of research you need to do in order to educate yourself and be ahead of the curve. 
serve. Of course, I'm going to be sharing more of that with you as time goes on as well. Now, the first thing I want to I want to deal with is why I believe search engine optimization, SEO, optimizing your content for the search engines. Why I believe it is more relevant it matters more today than it has ever mattered before. And I want to give you a few reasons. Reason number one, I'm going to give you three reasons. Reason number one, social media algorithms are unpredictable. I'm going to say that again. Social media algorithms are unpredictable. Now, there are so many sites out there that are getting tons of traffic from search engines, from Facebook and Pinterest and and Twitter and all these different social media sites, these social networking sites. However, that traffic is dependent on on so many variable factors, things like shares and likes and reactions and all those different types of um, uh, uh, indicators. It is very, very it, it is dependent on these variable factors. Now, that's not the only thing. We also see that these algorithms over time, especially, you know, if you think about Facebook, back in the days, people used to get tons of traffic from Facebook. And while people do still get a significant amount of traffic from Facebook, we're seeing that they intentionally suppress even high value relevant content. This is a fact. The algorithms are doing what they do. And for a number of reasons, you know, the simple fact that you have so many people on Facebook that are liking so many pages. And if you get uh, all of the content from all of the pages that you like, your news feed will probably be a very scary place, uh, more scary than it is right now. <laughs> um, they intentionally suppress even highly valuable, relevant content. So you are interested in Caribbean recipes and you like a, a, a page on Facebook that's about Caribbean recipes and that page posts recipes that uh, they posted on their blog and they're sharing it on Facebook, but you are less likely to see it today than you've ever been in the past when it comes to Facebook. And of course, uh, it's not just Facebook that deals with algorithms. All of the social networks are implementing algorithms and tweaking these algorithms. You have no control over that. Another thing that we're seeing a lot more with social media is that they are emphasizing paid content. Now, I'm not here to say, hey, you know, all these social networks want money. Of course they want money. They're businesses. I have no problems with that. But the fact is, social media marketing is not what it used to be. It's just a fact. It is not what it used to be. The glory days of yesteryear when you could post that one link and it gets so much traffic to your site, those days are no longer here. Okay, so that's number one. Social media, social media algorithms are unpredictable. Number two. Search engines are still a great source of traffic. You know, I was doing some research because I was, I was trying to get some numbers. I wanted to see how does, social, how does search engine traffic compare 
to social media traffic and direct traffic and referral traffic and so on and so forth. And I did a lot of digging. And the most relevant information I found has to do with news sites. And, it, you know, it, it gives us somewhat an, in, of an indication of what is happening online. Um, it's not necessarily directly applicable, but I think there are some things that we can see. There are some trends that we can see, and I want to share that with you. There were some studies done by, by uh, sources like Visual Capitalist and Gallup and Edelman and Alexa. Um, and these, the, oh, I, for, I keep forgetting I have my um, Amazon Echo here. And when you say Alexa, of course, it wants to do whatever you ask it to do. Anyhow, let's move on. Um, uh, uh, Statista looked at a number of the, the data points that were available from all of these different sources. And what they saw was, in terms of the traffic sources to new sites, here are the, here are the, here are the percentages. Direct traffic, 48%. Search, 31%. Referral traffic, 11%. And social traffic, 10%. Th search was 31 and social is 10%. Now, I don't know about you, but when I look at those numbers, I think to myself, yes, okay, social media does a lot. It does drive traffic. And this is actually uh, statistics as of February of 2017. So I'm in, we're in February now. I'm recording this on, on February, the last day of February. Okay, so this is, this is recent data. The search traffic is responsible for three times as much traffic to these new sites than social media. Okay, that's, that's one interesting bit of data. Number two, when it comes to fake news <laughs> traffic sources, it's a little different. The number one source of traffic to fake news, what do you think it is? Social, 42%. Direct, 30%. Search, 23%. And referral, 5%. So social is 42 and search is 23. In other words, when it comes to fake news, <laughs> social media is doing a much better job at driving traffic. When it comes to real news, search is doing a much better job. This is telling me something about the algorithms. The social media algorithms are not as effective at distinguishing relevant, high-quality information when it comes to these news sites, and I think that extends beyond these news sites, not as good as the search engines. Okay, so that's another uh, a bit of information. And one more piece of information along the, 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 um, the, 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 the topic of search engines still being a great source of traffic Google is still the number one search engine in the world. You know, I always hear people say, YouTube is the number two search engine in the world, so you need to focus on it. But Google is still number one. In the U.S., 81% of all search traffic is Google. And if you look at some other countries like the U.K. and Canada, Australia and India and others, it's even significantly higher than that. Google is powerful. Okay, so reason number one, social media algorithms, 
unpredictable. Search engines, number two, reason number two, search engines are still a great source of traffic. And reason number three, the last reason why I think that SEO matters more now than ever. Earned authority still matters in Google's eyes. What do I mean by that? You know, as you build your blog, as you grow your blog and you start creating great content and Google starts to see, you know what? This blog, when it comes to this particular niche, when it comes to this particular topic, this blog, we consider it to be an authority. And other people consider it to be an authority. You, you earn that authority over time. Now, earned authority is not as quick as viral content. I know viral content, people sharing it on social media, gets everyone excited. But earned authority is slower. But from what we've seen, it actually lasts considerably longer. Now, when I think about my biology site, I have not really posted to that blog in about five years. But you know what? The traffic continues to increase over time, not decrease. And you know why that is? Because Google looks at that biology blog as an authority blog. And the content that's on there, people engage with it, they interact with it, they get value from it. And it still sends me, Google still sends me a significant amount of traffic. I looked at my stats for the last 30 days, and out of 96,362 visits, 77,643 visits was from Google. That's 81% of those visits. And when I stopped creating content, I was only getting about uh, 30-something thousand visits. But it's been increasing over time up to the point where I'm getting about 100,000 visits in certain months. Now, what's interesting to note is when I look at my social media traffic on that blog, 451 visits from social media sites. Now, this is because I don't have that blog optimized I, I, uh, for social sharing. When I was creating that, it was more about the search engines and really focusing on giving the search engines what they wanted. And it paid off. And it still continues to pay off. And the more Google adjusts their algorithm, the more traffic I seem to get. And I'm not going to complain about that. <laughs> Not one bit. I hope I've I hope I hope I've convinced you that search engine optimization is still relevant and it matters even more today as social media sites are doing all kinds of interesting things with their algorithms. Earned authority still matters to Google and as you build that authority, it can result in a lot of traffic. Okay, so let's, I think I've, I've hammered that in enough. Now let's talk about the most important factor for search engine optimization. This, above everything else, this is what matters most. And that is this, the answer to this question. Are you serving your audience as best as possible? I mean, is your content great? Is your content awesome? Is your content relevant? And is you, are you demonstrating that your blog is an authority? Is it growing in its authoritative stature <laughs> by creating good 
quality, relevant content that your audience is looking for. If you think about it, what is Google trying to do? Someone goes to the search engine. They type in a certain, a certain query, uh, and they want an answer to a certain question, or they want a definition, or what, a recipe, whatever the case might be. Google wants to serve them the most relevant, high-quality information as possible because if they get good information, what are they going to do the next time they want more information? They're going to go back to Google and they're going to do another search and Google continues to make money and Google likes to make money. So are you serving your audience as best as possible? That is the most important factor when it comes to SEO. There are some other factors. So for example, are you serving Google as best as possible. In other words, are you giving Google everything it needs in order to make decisions about how to rank your site? We'll talk about some of these things. We're going to talk about a lot of these things, actually. You know, one of the things that I, I don't know that I would say I have a problem with, but one of the things that I do a whole lot is shop on Amazon. Now, why do I do that? I do that because they make it so easy. They give me all of the information that I need to make a good, decisions, a good decision about the products that I want to buy. They have reviews. They have descriptions. They got pictures. They got all kinds of information that helps me feel as if, you know what? I have exactly what I need to do what I want to do. It's the same thing with Google. Are you giving them exactly what they need in order to do what they need to do, which is serve the most relevant, highly valuable content to the people that are searching in the search engines? Another question is, are other people endorsing your content regularly? What do I mean by that? Are they linking to you because of how awesome your content is? When they see your content, you know, when other bloggers see your content, are they so excited about it that they want to write about it or share it with their audience? Are they sharing it on social media because of how great it is? These are some of the general things you want to think about when it comes to search engine optimization. Now, you're probably thinking, wait a minute, Leslie, we're talking about search engine optimization. It's supposed to be much more technical than that. And yes, it does get more technical than that. We're going right there right now. But I want it to come from that perspective. Are you serving your audiences as best as possible? Most important question. And then... Are you serving Google as best as possible? And are other people endorsing your content on a regular basis? All right. You ready for it? Let's talk about some of the technical stuff now. Now, before you get into all of the advanced SEO, there's some basic things we want to have in place. We want to, first of all, have a way to monitor, track, and analyze the results. We want to, th this goes beyond search engine optimization. It goes to just seeing where your traffic is coming from, seeing what people are doing when they are on your blog. And you want to do that by installing Google Analytics. If you don't have Google Analytics installed, I, you know, just just stop this right now um, <laughs> and, and, and go and sign up for Google Analytics and install it on your blog. Now, you, you, Google Analytics is basically a service, a free service that allows you to track all of the traffic 
to your site. That includes search engine traffic. It includes um, um, uh, social media traffic. It includes direct traffic and email. Tra- any kind of people are coming to your site. Google Analytics can track it. Okay, so you, to do that, you basically go and you open a Google Analytics account, you create a property in Google Analytics, and then they're going to give you a code to add to your site. Now, to add, to, the, to add this code to your site, it's relatively simple. Uh, many WordPress themes uh, have that built into their settings where you can just go into the settings and add the code that Google Analytics gives you. Um, but if not, uh, there's there are a number of plugins out there that you can use. There's one called Google Analytics, <laughs> and you install that plugin, and it it allows you to connect it to your Google Analytics account, and it makes it relatively simple to do this. Okay, so you want to make sure you have some kind of tracking setup, and the tracking setup that you need is Google Analytics. I don't care about anything else. Make sure you have Google Analytics installed. Okay, that's number one. Now, when you want to analyze your search engine rankings and performance, even at a deeper level, I highly recommend, um, and actually I recommend this for everyone, to add your site to Google Search Console. Now, Google Search Console used to be called Webmaster Tools, but it's it's basically a service that allows you to track your rankings and to track any errors that are happening in Google. Um, all search engines have some, so, some sort of webmaster tools where you can go in there and check to see how things are going. Um, but the Google Search Console is one you definitely want to, 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 to set up. So um, Google Analytics and Google Search Console, the easiest way to find it is just do a Google search for it, and it'll be the first thing that shows up. But once you sign up for that service, you're going to have to do a number of things. You're going to have to give them the URL to your site, and then they're going to have to verify that you actually own that URL. And they have a number of different ways for doing that, Um, and it walks you through the process. And then you have to submit a sitemap. In other words, you're giving Google a map to your site. And you're telling Google, hey, these are all of the locations on my site. You know, if you want to take a tour... I'm going to make it easy for you. I'm going to show you exactly how to do it. Okay? So it walks you through the process of doing that. It is relatively straightforward, somewhat technical. And if you need help setting that up, I highly recommend just going to YouTube and doing a simple search for how to set up Google Search Console in WordPress or something along those lines. And you'll get a number of uh, step-by-step tutorials. I need to create a tutorial on how to do that. That just makes sense. I need to do that. I will do that. Okay, so make sure Google Analytics is set up. Make sure the Google Search Console is set up and it's tracking your site. It'll give you lots of valuable information as you continue to optimize your site for the search engines. I also want to talk a little bit about keyword research. This is a topic that I've hated talking about for a very long time, but I'm starting to... I'm starting to embrace it more than I I have done in the past. Now, keyword research is the ability to do a specific type of research that tells you uh, a lot of information about what people are searching for. All right? So, if I want to if I want to know what people are searching for around starting a blog, I can go to to the the Google Keyword Planner, not the Google, the Google Keyword Planner. 
and just type in start a blog. And I can see approximately how many searches uh, people are making globally or in the U.S. for that particular keyword phrase. And I can do all kinds of research. There are some very advanced tools out there. I like to keep it relatively um, simple. It makes a lot of sense to do. Now, I'll give you an example. The, the, the title of this post is WordPress SEO, How to Optimize Your Blog for Search Engines in 2017. Now, when I went to the Google Keyword Planner, uh, the title was initially going to start with SEO for WordPress. And I started to search for that. I, I went to the Google Keyword Planner. I typed in SEO for WordPress. And what I saw was that there were approximately 100 to 1,000 searches for SEO for WordPress every month. 100 to 1,000 searches. And there was a medium level of competition. So I, I decided to play around with a number of different variations. And when I searched for WordPress SEO, I saw that there were between 1,000 and 10,000 searches for WordPress SEO with low competition. Now, what does that tell me? I better go for the one that has more searches and less competition because it's going to be easier to rank for that and I'll be more likely to get more traffic if Google starts to index my site and ranks me well for that particular keyword phrase. So just by doing that keyword research, it took me about a minute to do that. I was able to find a better version of my title based on the number of searches and the amount of competition. If you're going to go to a, a, a wrestling match, you want to go to a wrestling match, let's put it this way, you want to go to a wrestling match where, if, if you're going to fight, right? You want to fight where there are going to be a lot of people watching and your competition is not going to be that bad. <laughs> That's exactly what keyword research allows you to do. It allows you to see, man, a lot of people are coming to this fight. In other words, a lot of people are searching for that particular phrase and the competition, not as bad. That is what keyword research does for you. And that is why I am doing more keyword research today than I used to do in the past. Now, uh, the, the Google Keyword Planner, once again, just search for Google Keyword Planner and you come to this tool. It's a free tool and you can do some research that way. Now, I want to also mention that when, uh, in the past, what people used to teach is you find a keyword you want to rank for and you just stuff that thing all over. You stuff it in the title. You put it all in, in like a bunch of paragraphs all throughout your, your content and you make sure that you, that keyword is like everywhere. That's, that's not what you want to do. This is 2017. Google is way smarter than they used to be. And as a result, they understand the context of your content. And once you are creating very relevant high quality content, they understand that you may not say start a blog in every paragraph, but you're going to use specific words that are related to starting a blog. And the more of those words you use naturally, the more they're going to say this is relevant to starting a blog. Now, this, refer this, this, this is along the lines of talking about LSI keywords, latent semantic indexing 
keywords. Now, what is what are LSI keywords? LSI keywords is exactly what I was just talking about. Keywords that are related to the the main keyword phrase that I am targeting um, that gives uh, Google an indication that you know what this is this is very relevant to that particular topic. Uh, and and there's a, a an interesting tool that I stumbled on that's at lsigraph.com. So if I go to lsigraph.com and I type in the keyword phrase, oh, let's go with WordPress SEO. And I indicate I'm not a robot and I'm going to generate some keywords, some LSI keywords. So I'm, I'm seeing, it's telling me that, hey, here are a number of very relevant phrases. WordPress plugin SEO or WordPress search engine or WordPress tags, uh, Yoast SEO tutorial, Yoast SEO settings. Now, I'm going to be talking about the Yoast SEO plugin in this specific podcast episode. And as a result of that, it would make sense to include in the article that goes along with this stuff about Yoast SEO. So it's telling me, hey, here are some very relevant keywords. If you are talking about WordPress SEO, it's a good idea to be talking about some of these things. So this lsigraph.com is a key, an LSI keyword generator that is very helpful if you're trying to get a bigger picture about uh, in terms of the content that you are creating. Now, a lot of this happens naturally, which is why I don't spend a ton of time doing this, but I want you to understand how it works so that you can take advantage of these tools and resources. All right. Now, let's talk about some specific things when it comes to optimizing WordPress. Now, when you install your WordPress blog, one of the first things you want to do is make sure to change your permalink settings. The permalink is the permanent URL to every page on your blog or every post on your blog. And when you install WordPress by default, I have no idea why they do it this way, but the URL structure for your first post might look like becomeablogger.com slash question mark P equals 120 or something. of Just some, some random string of ca characters that indicate the post ID. The problem there is that doesn't give Google any information about what's on your blog or what's on that particular blog post. And once again, you want to give Google as much information as possible so that they can take all of these factors into consideration. So one of the first thing you want to do is go into your permalink settings and change it to make sure that it includes your title in the URL. So if my blog post is about how to start a blog, um, the URL might be becomeablogger.com slash start hyphen a hyphen blog. That gives Google more information about what this post is about. So that's number one. Number two, this one is a relatively basic one as well. You want to choose the right theme. Now, there are so many themes out there, but here's the problem. Some themes are poorly built. Some themes take a very long time to load. You want to avoid those themes. I recently, one, one of the reasons why, uh, I actually recently underwent a, a, a redesign of my blog. I haven't announced that on the podcast as yet. What's wrong with me? If you go to becomeablogger.com, you will see that we have a new blog, as a, a new design as of about a week and a half ago. Okay? 
Um, and I like this newer theme, not just because it looks good, but it's actually significantly faster. It loads faster than the previous theme that I was using. So speed is going to be a, 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 a significant factor. And if you choose a high quality theme, this is why I recommend premium theme developers like um, uh, Thrive Themes, Elegant Themes, and so on. There are many others. You don't have to go with those, but you want to make sure that it's from a trusted developer, and you also want to make sure that it's mobile optimized, okay, so that it's responsive. So if someone is watching it on a mobile device because the world is going mobile, the world has already gone mobile, and it's getting more and more mobile over time, um, but you want to choose a good quality theme. You want to pay attention to something that I just spoke about, site speed. The faster, the better. If Google is indexing your site and they're starting to see, man, this site is taking forever to load, they're going to say, you know what? This is not a very good user experience for the people that we're sending there. So let's start sending less people there and find something that is just as relevant but load significantly faster. If the choice is between two sites with the same level of quality of content, but one is way slower than the other, what, what, what makes sense for, what is the smartest thing for Google to do? They're going to send it to the one that is loading faster. So you want to pay attention to your site speed. Now, we're going to be talking about Google AMP in a little while, and this, relate, this is related to site speed specifically for mobile devices, and we'll get into some of that in a little bit. Now, if you've been following my content for a while and you have a blog set up, most likely you're on WordPress um, because WordPress is w the, the content management I recommend, content management system that I recommend for all bloggers to build their blog on. And there's a plugin for WordPress that you may be familiar with. It's called WordPress SEO by Yoast, Y-O-A-S-T. This is, hands down, the best WordPress search engine optimization plugin out there because not only does it help you to optimize your content, but it allows you to test your content and say, you know what, this post, I want it to rank very well for WordPress SEO. And it will go through and analyze that content and make specific recommendations for that particular post on some of the things that you can do to optimize it even better. And then it will give you a green light once your stuff is optimized. WordPress SEO by Yoast is the one that I recommend. Um, it allows you to, to optimize the way your title shows up in the search engines, the way your description shows up. Um, and um, if you have the pro version, it will actually allow you to test multiple keywords for each, for each post. So if I want to optimize this for WordPress SEO, and optimize your blog and search engine optimization, I can evaluate it for each of those keyword phrases because I have the pro version of WordPress SEO by Yoast. So just make sure you're using that plugin. Now, let's talk about your individual posts and pages. I wanna emphasize something that I spoke about in the beginning with the story of my interactive biology site and the guest writers that I brought on. Written content, when it comes to search engines, written content is very, very important 
You can have all the awesome videos on your site you want to have, but you know what? Google doesn't do the best job at indexing your content based on what you say in a video. So you want to give them as much relevant information as possible in written form. So even if you're doing a video, make sure to have an article that goes along with it. I do my podcast, but along with that podcast episode, you know what goes along with it? A very detailed article that covers all of the stuff that we're talking about in that podcast episode. This is very important. That's number one. Number two, think for the think from the perspective of the searcher. In other words, the person that you are targeting, the person that is going to Google and searching for something in particular and hopefully finding your site, what are they searching for? What keywords are they going to be using? Include those keywords in your title. So if, for example, your, your, your blog post is about how blood flows through the heart, I have a blog post on that topic, it makes sense for someone to go to Google and search for how blood flows through the heart. But no one is going to go and search for, well, not no one, but you're going to get significantly fewer people searching from right atrium to right ventricle. That's, that's not what they're searching for. They want to know how the blood is actually flowing. They're not, they're not searching for right atrium to left ventricle and blah, 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 and all that kind of stuff. So think from the perspective of the searcher and use that in the title of your post. Next thing, you want to make sure that every piece of content you create delivers on the promise it makes. When someone searches and they see in the search results, you have this post on how blood flows through the heart, don't let them come there and give them something that doesn't deliver on that promise. They better understand how blood flows through the heart when they are finished reading that post or watching that video. Because you know what? One of the things Google does pay attention to is bounce rate. In other words, how many people are checking your site and leaving immediately because it doesn't deliver on what they're looking for. They're going to pay close attention to that. So you want to make sure that every piece of content you create delivers on your promise. Okay, let's move on. You want to structure each post for your reader. You want to make it easier to read because the easier it is to read, the longer they're going to stay on the actual page. So how do you do this? Number one, you want to optimize your titles. You know, I spoke about using the, the, the perspective of the searcher in your titles, but you want to optimize that title so that it makes sense for that searcher. There's a, there's a really cool tool, uh, a, headline, a headline analyzer from CoSchedule. I'm, I'm going to link this up to the show notes. Um, you can find the show notes at becomeablogger.com slash 294. Um, and what it will do is it will analyze your headline and kind of give you some suggestions on how you can tweak it. Now, this is an algorithm that they're using. They're using technology to, to suggest how to improve your headlines. I use this kind of as a, a loose guide because it helps me to, 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 to think about certain things that maybe I'm not thinking about. But I don't try to get like a perfect score every time. I have to understand my audience and then use these tools to help me inform and help to inform my decision making. 
So optimize your titles. Um, now you can have titles of up to 70 to 71 characters in length. You want to make sure it's not significantly you know i don't want to you don't want it to be longer than that because the last thing you want is for people to see some of your title but not the entire thing so don't make it too long that's number one for structuring for the reader number two this is something that i i didn't pay a lot of attention to in the past but i'm paying way more attention to now you want to have a compelling description and use that as the excerpt, when you go into your post editor in WordPress, you have a section where you can specify an excerpt. If you do not specify that excerpt, uh, the, 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 Google is just basically going to scan through your content and pull some content in there. You don't want that. You want to be in control of that description. You have about 150 to 160 characters that you can include in that. Make it compelling. In other words, what does the searcher need to read in order to make the decision to come over and check out that post? Let them know the value that it provides. Okay, so that's the second part of optimizing each post for the reader. Next thing, use short paragraphs. You don't want really long paragraphs because, you know what, reading online People don't like to see huge bulks of text. And reading on a mobile device, even more so. Keep it short and concise. One way of doing this is by breaking that content into relevant sections. So if I'm talking about uh, uh, WordPress SEO, there are sections like uh, why, it matter, why SEO matters more now than ever the most important factors for SEO and uh, what to do before optimizing, keyword research, optimizing WordPress. And within that, I have different sections. You want to break your content into relevant sections, smaller chunks, easier to read, and use relevant headings. Now, the things that I was just mentioning just now, like optimizing each post, um, uh, optimizing WordPress, keyword research, those would be individual headings which makes it easier to scan through the content. Someone on their mobile device can kind of slide through, just swipe through and see exactly what you are covering. And that is making it easier for them. Now, when you are creating these headings, this is a lot of information I'm throwing your way, and, and I hope you get a lot of value from it. When you're making these headings, you want to ma make sure to use the right kind of headings. And the type of heading you're using gives Google an indication of how important these headings are. So for example, the title of your post is always going to be H1. And then the headings throughout your post could be H2. And the headings, uh, the subheadings could be H3 or H4. The higher the number, the smaller the font. And that gives in uh, Google an indication of how important you think those different pieces, those headings are, okay? So you're giving Google more information about the content of your post. You want to make sure to include relevant images. And when you include those relevant images, once again, give Google as much information as possible. Give them appropriate file names and alt tags. Whenever you upload an image in WordPress, it asks you, do you want to give this an alt tab, uh, alt tag? This is kind of an alternative tag. In other words, if for some reason the image doesn't show up, 
what do you want us to tell the, the reader that this image is actually about? And it will actually show that content. But that gives Google even more information. And lastly, when it comes to optimizing your posts and pages, link to relevant content. Now, there are two types of content uh, things you can link to. You can have outbound links to other sources or inbound links uh, to your own con uh, th Those are links that are coming in. So linking to your own content or linking to other content. Um, when you're linking to out to other content, uh, you want to make sure that you are linking to relevant, authoritative sites. This is telling Google, hey, you know what? I'm doing my research and I'm linking to things that are appropriate for the content that I am uh, covering in this particular post. But you're also linking to things within your site uh, to tell Google, hey, you know what? On this particular topic, I have another post that you may want to check out. <laughs> and that's giving Google more information about your site. So optimizing, structuring your posts for your readers, you want to optimize your titles. Optimize your descriptions. You want to use short paragraphs, but break your content into relevant sections. Use the relevant headings. Include relevant images with appropriate file names and alt tags. And link to relevant content. Outbound links and links to your other pieces of content. Okay, two more things. And this is where we're getting into relatively new stuff. Consider using Google AMP. Now, Google AMP is an open source project that's um, done in collaboration with, uh, it's mainly by Google, but in collaboration with a number of different companies. Um, that is, th the main goal is to speed up the mobile web, to speed up the mobile web experience. You're browsing on your phone, you don't want pages to take long to load. And what it basically does is it creates a simplified version of the pages and posts on your blog, and that makes it load significantly faster. Now, I'm not going to go in detail about this. I've spoken about this in other posts, and I'll link to that in this episode. But if you have a WordPress blog and you want to, to, to set your blog up to work on Google AMP, there's an AMP plugin that you just install and activate. And once you do that, your blog is set up now with AMP. And as Google starts uh, checking out your site and it sees that, you know what, this person has an AMP version of their site, they're going to start to show that on the mobile search engines with this little AMP lightning bolt thing, letting people know that, hey, this is, this is going to be a faster mobile web experience. Okay, I want to talk about one more thing. And this is something that is relatively new to me. I've been doing some research on this. And I think this is a very exciting part of where Google is going. And they've given us some indications about where they're going. Because one thing we know is that the web is becoming more and more of a visual platform. Okay? And I am seeing, we are seeing how even in the Google search results, it's becoming more visual, especially on mobile devices. Now, I want you to start looking into structured data. I want you to start learning about it and ultimately testing this out. 
But what this is, is uh, Google and other search engines are starting to use schema.org. And this is a vocabulary that, that is being created that adds code to your site. It adds markups to your pages and your posts that gives the search engine even better understanding of your content. All right? Schema.org. It's a relatively new vocabulary. It adds markups to your content, to your posts, to your pages that gives Google better information, not just Google, other search engines as well, more information so that they can better understand your content and do interesting things with it. So what do I mean by interesting things? Um, a, a better representation in search. If you look on your mobile device, if you open up your mobile device and open up Google, uh, open up your browser and go to Google and do a search for a specific type of recipe. I'm actually going to do this uh, right now. Where's my phone? My phone isn't in front of me. Ah, there it is. It fell on the floor. So I just opened up the Google browser. Um, the, uh, I opened up Chrome on my mobile device and I did a search for sweet potato recipe. And what I see right at the top of my search results is a, a number of recipes that I can swipe through. I want you to do this and see what you're seeing. It has vivid pictures and it has a number of reviews and so on. I can click on it. And when I click on one of those results, it takes me to a specific recipe on a specific site. Now, in doing that, I didn't even look at all of the other search results because right at the top, they made it so attractive, so visual and all that stuff. And that's because these sites are using specific resources to add the schema.org vocabulary to their pages and posts that allows Google to pull in relevant information and display it in a prominent way. Now, right now, when they first started implementing this in their mobile search, you started seeing things like recipes, like I just illustrated. If you do a search for a movie, you will see that as well. But since November, they've started expanding that. So for example, courses. If you search for specific courses, you will see a, nice, a, a nicer representation of courses right at the top. Lynda.com is, a, is a, a site that's using a lot of this markup, and it makes a difference. It makes you more likely to go to those particular posts than all of the other posts in the search engines. Google is making changes. And right now, there's not a lot of people talking about this. I've never spoken about this before because it's relatively new to me, but I want you to be aware of this. I want you to pay attention and start doing some research. Go to schema.org. It's kind of technical if you go there, and I believe that we're going to see more and more plugins implementing these things like recipe plugins and so on. Um, but it, it basically allows you to add all kinds of additional information that makes Google, that gives Google kind of more information that they can now represent your content in a more prominent way. And I believe we're going to see more and more and more of this coming over time. So I want you to be aware of that. I want you to pay attention to that. 
I'm going to be talking more about that over time, and we're going to be learning together because that's what we do. So that's pretty much it. Man, that was a lot of content. Oh, man, we're at like 55 minutes. If you lasted this long, you are a trooper. But I hope you got a lot of value from this. From all the beginner stuff all the way to the more advanced stuff that we still need to explore some more. And trust me, we will. I want, to, I want you to keep your eyes open. I want you to keep your ears open. Anyhow, anything I mentioned here is going to be linked to becomeablogger.com slash 294. It'll all be there. One simple call to action for you today. Uh, we've been talking about search engine optimization, optimizing your blog and, and your content for the search engines. But what about the actual content? How do you decide what content you should be creating in the first place? Is it all random? Do you have a plan? Well, I created a spreadsheet for that. <laughs> <laughs> my blog content calendar spreadsheet it'll help you plan out your content for the entire year in a way that helps you set your blog up for success just go to bloggingspreadsheet.com and say no to random content only create content that will help you meet your goal um, Alan Deacon a member of the become a blogger coaching club downloaded it a, a little while ago and he messaged me on Facebook to say he already had his entire year planned because of the spreadsheet spent a lot of time thinking through how to make it super easy for you so check it out bloggerspreadsheet.com this is Leslie Samuel from becomeablogger.com where we change the world one blog at a time until next time take care and God bless Three, five, two, four, one, four.